Told you, told you it's up there. <laughs> well, last week we looked at a, at a, I call it a weighty passage that uh, in my opinion, I think it gets willfully ignored quite a bit. And I want to recap that not only for the sake of, you know, just doing that for our sake because we are building these things again, one on top of another, but also because I think it's necessary to go into what's before us today. And even last week when we finished there with that glorious verse about, again, the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet shortly, I said, hey, we want to come back to that. And so we want to lead in, go from where we were last week, go right into that, and then Lord willing, transition to the end of the epistle here where Paul gives closing prayers some closing greetings, as well as some instructions that are seen even in his final prayer for us when it comes to being established in the Lord. And again, we're in Christ Jesus. We're established positionally when we put our faith in him, but practically the Lord wants roots going down deeper in our life. He wants our lives being built on the rock of Jesus Christ and even all the more in the day we're living in. That needs to be the case. All the more that needs to be the case in light of even those things we looked at last week and even considering in those things that they are more uh, rapidly escalating even right now. Notice Romans 16, 17 through 19 that we looked at last week. He says, now I urge you, brother, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. And those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And let's remember, Paul was addressing a major issue in the church back then. And we know it's major because this issue is addressed and just about every epistle, as well as by the Lord Jesus Christ and all the gospels. As much as it was an issue back then, we know scripturally and even practically through looking around that it's even more of an issue today. This was a matter of urgency. And he says, I urge you in these things. And so he's urgently addressing them. And even last week, you know what? I made an appeal that we would be stirred up and have that urgency in our hearts concerning these things. Remember, he told them to take note, which means to take aim at or consider, not to ignore, not to bury our heads in the sand, not to turn a blind eye to heretics and troublemakers who again cause divisions and offenses or stumblings through false doctrines and the practice of sinful actions that are contrary to, to the sound teaching of scripture individuals as paul says who don't serve the lord jesus christ but instead they follow their own hearts and we spent a brief time talking about that you know woe to those that follow their heart over following the word of god now again if we delight ourselves in the lord the scripture says god will give us the desire of our hearts because again our hearts will be being shaped by the lord but just to follow the heart woe to that and how much more dangerous one following their heart trying to get people to follow them to make disciples of themselves over the lord jesus christ 
Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I think that in every movie that's out there, every you know, TV show out there, every YouTube where someone says, follow your own heart, there should be a disclaimer where Jeremiah 17, 6 comes up. Wouldn't that be glorious? And then a disclaimer or an invitation right after that to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these individuals, and this is really why this is so important. And it's also why it's so important that we get more established in the Lord ourselves, that we're maturing in the Lord, which will, again, be part of what we look at this morning. But these individuals prey on the simple. Some do it knowing they're doing it, and oftentimes others do it just because they follow their own heart, because they're trying to make disciples after themselves. And hear this, if you're trying to make disciples after yourself, and you're saying, hey, come and follow me, the question is, where are you leading them to? And if it's not to the Lord, if it's not to truth, if it's just to, again, fuel your agenda or your cause or whatever before you, that's problematic. These individuals that do these, again, they prey on the simple. They prey on babes in Christ. They prey on those that are immature in the Lord. And remember, we saw they do it through smooth speech, and through flattering tongues. Look, we want to encourage one another. We want to exhort one another. We want to appreciate one another and build up one another. There's gonna be times when God puts a word of encouragement on you to share with one of your brothers and sisters, and we want to be obedient in doing that. But hear this, beware of the flattering tongue. Beware if you even, you know what, are prone to use flattery to manipulate situations. That's what these individuals do. Notice Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and a flattering mouth works ruin. I've been around long enough to see a flattering tongue and flattering tongues do a lot of destruction. And I'll tell you oftentimes the simple They're drawn to that flattering tongue. The individual that, again, is manipulating situations to make disciples after themselves. Now, again, he says to avoid these people, or he says to note these people, and then he says to avoid these people. Again, we test what they say by the word. You look at their fruits and compare it to Scripture. Then you note, and then you avoid, which means to shun, to decline an invitation, to separate from, to depart from. And remember again, in not doing so, it's a wicked act because that departure needs to happen. And first of all, that there would be a conviction heaped upon them. Also, again, that there would be a protection of our own heart and even more so a protection of those around us. Hey, we take note of that. We take note of that false teaching. We're going to take a personal note and at times and in certain situations, there needs to be a public note that is put forth because again, they pray on the simple. And let me tell you, there's a lot of simple folks out there that name the name of Jesus because there is a lack of sound teaching in so many corridors of the church today praise god for those pulpits where there's sound teaching where doctrine is being taught but oftentimes that's not the case and then these individuals come in they come in again on a broad scale and oftentimes even in local congregations to bring divisions and stumblings and offenses and really compared it to 
You know what? Some of the types of footage we've seen so much of the last few years of, you know what, maybe an old lady who is getting mugged in the middle of the day, why bystanders just stand along and watch. And we would cry, boy, what a great injustice. This is horrible. And how many times again we attack on, boy, if I were there, I would do this, that, or the other. Well, again, this is worse than that because we're dealing with people's souls. We're dealing with people's faith here. We're dealing with, again, their discipleship as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, these warnings throughout the word that these individuals come in and they pray on the simple and listen, I know that it, was, it would be much easier to say, well, I will just ignore that. That's not my issue. That's not my thing. We'll all give an account in this area. We all will. And so we should all be stirred up in it. This is a, again, a call to urgency. We also told to be wise in what is good, to be simple concerning evil. We know the things of God are good. We know the word of God is good. I'll tell you, the more of God's word you get in you, the more of the good things of God you get into, and the more of, again, the wickedness of the world we get out of our life, the more our roots will go down ourselves and the Lord, and absolutely, we will have so much more discernment, discernment, again, under a banner of love to be able to walk in these matters and in these calls. Philippians 1.9, and thus I pray, that your love may abound still the more in knowledge and in all discernment. And then notice that you may approve the things that are excellent. We're called to approve what is excellent, to be wise in what is good. And then again, to disapprove of those things that are not good, that are sinful, that are wicked. And again, in all of this, listen, this is not a matter that's gone away. This isn't a thing where we read the scripture. Oh, that was a first century thing. That's not an issue today. Again, it was prophesied that it would be. We know there's more deceivers running around in the church than we have ever had before. And you're like, oh, Steve, that's your opinion. No, that's the word of God. That's scripture. Second Timothy 3.13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we're about 2,000 years out from that statement, and they have grown worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so more deceivers running around more than ever. And then we touched on this as well. Sadly, it seems there's more people in the pews or in the seats than ever who actually want to be deceived. Remember, we referred to that passage there in the Old Testament that talks about God at times even allowing deceivers to test the people. Jeremiah talks about, again, the false prophets profit falsely and the people love it that way but what will you do in the end and then we see there in second timothy 4 2 preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching and then notice verse 3 for the time will come and let me tell you the time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to notice look at the flesh their own desires so don't give me what God desires or the word. Give me what I desire because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. So there's deceivers. And then so many saying, we want to heap up these deceivers. We want to hear those lies. They prophesy falsely and we love it that way because again, this is preaching to our flesh versus preaching to our soul and our spirit. Now they'll turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. Now again, all of this 
It's a call to wage a spiritual war, to wage a truth war, to, again, wage a rescue campaign all of our days. Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. There in 1 Timothy 6, 12. And again, it is a fighting the good fight of the faith against the world's lies, our own flesh. And again, the devil and his angels are behind so much of this. It is a spiritual war. And again, you look at this and you're like, that sounds hard. That sounds difficult. That, call, that sounds like a, a, a call to action 24-7. Again, how many times do we hear, well, you know what, in their last days, they kind of, you know, lost sight of this and they, they, they just got, fought, they got tired of fighting and so they let compromise come in. I hear that so often of so many men who, again, so many women who fight the good fight so long and then at the end, and they all oh, must be because they were old. I refuse to accept that. They're bold their whole life and then they get old and all of a sudden they become a weak coward. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. It's because we have to, again, move with the Lord and be determined to say, we got to fight the good fight all of our days. And again, that, that sounds difficult. And indeed, at times it is. The Lord is with us absolutely every step along the way. And that is encouraging. He'll give us everything that we need. And then on top of that, there is such good news. And the good news is, this spiritual war here, this, this is good news. It's coming to an end really, really soon. Look at if there was no sight to the end of the war, if we looked at the word and we're like, this is eternity for eternity, this battle is going to rage on. But you talk about an overwhelming thought. Oh my goodness. It's going to go on forever. No, it's coming to an end shortly. Again, Romans 16, 12, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And so there should be a sense of urgency. There should be a heart that says, God, give me endurance. And then absolutely there should be a rejoicing that the war is coming to an end shortly. That soon it's going to be over. That my time here is as a vapor. I can go be with the Lord at any time. I don't even know where my finish line lies. And you don't know where your finish line lies. But it lies somewhere in the new, new future for all of us. And it may be that it's the same finish line for all of us in the Lord coming for all of us at once. But it's a short time. And so this morning, what I want to first do is to look a little bit deeper at this great news that the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet shortly. Look at this glorious news, this great encouragement. And look at, this is a prophetic utterance. And when God says it, you better believe that it's going to come about. And then we'll just, again, and we'll read it here. We'll look at Paul's closing prayers. There's three prayers here, a few greetings and then in the last prayer, there's also instruction of how to get more established in the Lord, which we are called to. We're called to maturity. We're called to growth. We want to move past that place of being simple. We want to be simple concerning evil, but we want to be wise concerning the good things. We want to be moving on to adulthood spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's great prayer and instruction for us in that. Notice again, verse 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. 
Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and so Sipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertitus, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greet you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then notice 25. Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. A lot of amens there. Now again, verse 20, and the God of peace. He is the God of peace. I think so many people are running around seeking peace because whether they know it or not outside of Jesus Christ, we do not have peace with God. And listen, there's not peace with one another outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just don't have it. We know again back there in the garden and boy, we go back to the garden to get so many answers and insight to so many things going on today. Again, we know how the account unfolds. Man's in that garden, has a liberty, has a great freedom to eat of any tree, a perfect fellowship with the Lord, his wife, the beast of the field and everything else. There's just that one command. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the day you do it, you'll die. We know that again, man, listen to that lie of that devil. Say, look it, I believe if I eat of it, I'll be like God. He ate of it and absolutely, as God said would happen, death set in. A separation between holy God, sinful man, physical death began to set in. A curse came on this world. And listen, man went from being at peace with God, from eating that apple to being at war with God in a moment. We're at war with the Lord outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's evident in our own lives outside of Christ. We're a sinful people. He is a holy God. Those sins are acts of war against god the crimes against god david said against you and you alone have i sinned and you look around the world today and it's more evident than ever that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one it is a world at war with god almighty and here's the thing if the god of peace did not come down to make a way of peace for us and him to be reconciled and for one another to be reconciled there would be no hope of peace forever our good works absolutely do not mend the bridge between us and god our efforts to even try to love one another do not mend that bridge that's broken between us and god but i'll tell you the god of peace who has sinned against is the one that made that way to have peace between us and God. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And listen, through the work of the cross where he atoned for our sins through calling on his name, that's the only place where positional peace is found with God. Where I'm in a position that I'm washed, I'm forgiven, I'm right with God through what the Lord has done. You're not gonna find that peace anywhere else. It's only through the God of peace. There's only one God and he is the God of peace. You're not gonna find it anywhere else. Ephesians 2.14, notice, for he himself is our peace 
who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God of one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So what we see here is again through the Lord atoning for our sins. Again, we had transgressed against God. The wages of that transgression was death, separation from God. The only way to be right with God is someone needed to pay my debt. Jesus did that. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross to take the wrath to us. He laid down his life. Again, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our sin upon himself. The wages of sin is death. He died, he laid down his life, but death couldn't hold him because he was without sin. He rose from the grave. And so through him, accepting his death on our behalf, putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we call on him, I'm a sinner, God, forgive me, wash me, be my Lord, we enter into a place of peace with God. And then notice here, he talks as well about reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, between, again, men that are at war with God. When we became one in, 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 or when we put faith in the Lord, we need to know that the war ended between us and God. And in Christ Jesus, the war is supposed to have ended between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, positionally, that's where we are. Practically, oh, Lord, have mercy. But the day is coming when that will be literally the case. He is the God of peace. Look, if we talk about positional peace, practical peace as well is available practical peace in this world that's fallen in this place of tribulation again positionally i can rest knowing i'm right with god i'm forgiven by the shed blood of the lord even on my worst day oh thank you lord and i'll tell you on my best day i need the shed blood of the lord i need grace without that i have no hope and there's a rest in that there's a rejoice in that and then throughout life have you noticed there's times when your peace gets robbed or there's a temptation you know, not to have peace or it just vanishes and it's gone and you go, I know I, I know I have positional peace. I'm right with God through Jesus, but I need practical peace. I need peace in this place that I'm in right now. I need peace in what we're going through right now. Is anyone in that place right now? Well, listen, listen to what the Lord says. Listen what the God of peace. And again, is he your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Listen to what your God of peace says to you. John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So in other words, I've spoken the word to you that you would have peace. How about remembering his word in the midst of trial? Number one, that I'm saved, I'm washed. Boy, that's a peaceful thought in the midst of the tribulations of the world. How about he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Boy, that's a peaceful thought. We're in this storm right now, but God's assured me, look at even in this storm that seems bad, God's gonna work it for good. Isn't that a peaceful thought? How about this? He is with us till the end of the age. That's a peaceful thing. To know no matter what's going on, the Lord is with me. The Lord's going before me. I might be planning my ways, but he's directing my steps. Those are just a little of the promises that he's spoken to us. That's why it's so important we got God's word in his heart. We'll come to that at the end of our message here today. 
We also read in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Is your heart troubled this morning? Is it afraid? The Lord said, don't let that be the case. Again, he died for our sins. He's given us his word and he has not left us as orphans. He has given us the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who wants to comfort us and teach us and empower us and bring fruits in our life who intercedes for us and so much more. It's all the more we want to be in the word that he can even bring it to our remembrance. We're not out here alone. The Lord's with us. And then notice Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, notice here, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we need that because there's always an attack on our peace. There's always an attack on our heart. But as we bring things before the Lord, we rest in God's word. We just daily say, Lord, give me a, 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 a fresh unction and let the Spirit of God be at work in my life. And Lord, I want to go to you in all things and I want to do it with thankfulness. Then there's even a guard over that peace that I have. The devil's always trying to still kill and destroy. But the Lord's come to give life and give it again abundantly in fact in the last epistle or in the last chapter of this epistle romans 15 33 paul prayed now the now the god of peace be with you all amen and so again we have peace through the god of peace i hope that brings you some peace this morning i hope that encourage you this morning and the god of peace and then notice what it says says next will crush satan under your feet shortly the word crush here, it means completely crushed. And I'll tell you when that happens, there is going to be an eternal peace ushered in that stretches through every aspect of the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem for all of eternity. No more tears, pain, death, sorrow, or sin. And listen, it's about to happen shortly that he's gonna crush Satan under our feet now here's the thing that's awesome he's going to crush satan but really satan has already been crushed you need to know that the war is already won the devil has already been defeated the lord only allows him to run amok still for a short season because he is allowing he is allowing him to do that in hopes that men would call on his name the Lord's long-suffering. Look at the Lord crushed, and we'll see it in the scripture. He crushed the enemy at the cross. In fact, it was prophesied in Genesis 3 after man's sin. He, again, he said to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman. He says to the serpent, you'll bruise us heel, but what will he do? He will crush your head. Amen. Satan's head was crushed there at the cross. But again, the Lord is allowing a season. It's a season of grace. It's a season of long suffering. Allowing individuals to come to him, to call on him, to, to heed that conviction and that pull of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. Look at if after the cross, he wrapped it all up. None of us would even be, you know what, in existence. 
But God even looked down to the corridor of time and fill your name in the blank. He says, I want an eternal relationship with that individual. God knows what he's doing. But hear this, the war is won, the battle rages on, but soon it's all to be wrapped up. Be encouraged in that. Hebrews 2.14, And as much as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same. So again, Jesus took on an earthly body, it's saying, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The work of the cross destroyed Again, him who had the power of death, the devil, released us from fear. Look at us believers, we have no fear of death. If we have that, it's because we are not looking at the cross and the fact that really death is the day of liberty for the believer. The fear of death, fear in itself brings a great bondage. It's even a way of fallen men to make disciples after themselves through fear-mongering. Have we seen any of that, you know, in the last few years? Controlling the world through fear-mongering. People afraid to die. People running. And, I, and again, this, is, this isn't said as I got a death wish or anything. That, you know, Paul said it's better than I'm hearing about the work of the Lord. That day's coming. And we should rejoice in every day and so forth. But we need not fear it because the devil has been defeated. We have victory in the Lord. And listen, very soon, in fact, in the last chapter of Revelation 22, we read the Lord saying, I'm coming quickly three times. He is coming quickly, and it may be that he's coming more quickly for myself or one of you. The Lord knows the number of our days, but he is coming shortly. This victory is right around the corner. I know that either I'll die, I'll be taken up to heaven, and I'll walk right over the devil's head into glory. Or the Lord will blow that trumpet, and he will take out his church, and we'll collectively right, walk right over his head into glory. And then very soon after that, we'll come back with him in the sky, and we will literally see Satan crushed under our feet. It says, we return with the Lord. He comes with ten thousands, pluralized, of his saints. And we know that old devil then is cast into that bottomless pit. And then after a thousand year reign of the Lord, he's let out for a brief time. And then we read in Revelation 20:10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Listen, the war's coming to an end really shortly. The Lord's coming back soon. Again, we know our life is as a vapor. So look, at this should be encouragement. We don't soldier on with no hope. We soldier on knowing the war is won. We soldier on even knowing I have the privilege now to live for the Lord. And it's a brief time here. And I want to live it to the fullest to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? Help us with that, God. And listen, this will happen. There is no plan B. There's only the A plan, and the A plan is unfolding, and it will completely unfold. The devil won't win. We know again when the Lord does come back, and we come back with them, even the nations of the world, the devil and his demons, will think they are going to win. They're not going to win. Victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Revelation 22, 6, we looked at this Wednesday night. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servant these things, notice, which must shortly take place. This is in the near future. You know, think about some, it's kind of an empty building. What's going on? Coming soon, you know, with your favorite yogurt shop or whatever it is. Coming soon, something much better, the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming soon, Satan will be crushed under our feet. So listen, in the meantime, and this is where this flows right to the end of the epistle. In the meantime, we see Paul praying three times and praying for grace in two of those prayers and for God to be glorified in the other. We need to be a people of prayer. We see Paul greeting, sending greetings and absolutely taking note of brothers and sisters. It's a picture of Christian love. We need to be in fellowship and not forsaking that loving one another and then we'll see again in this last prayer some of the ways god wants to establish us deeper in this time that we're here we should be maturing and growing we need to be moving deeper in him and again abounding in him notice verse 20 the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you amen and then notice verse 24 the grace of the lord jesus christ be with you all amen He basically says the same prayer within a few verses of one another. We looked at this in a lot of detail recently there at the end of chapter 15. We talked a lot about prayer right there because Paul was asking for prayer. We just took a time to take about four verses and just really, again, go over that call to pray. We saw that Jesus so often would leave the crowds, go to the wilderness, the mountaintop, wherever, and pray we know paul says in first timothy 11 1 imitate me just as i imitate christ and we see the prayer life of paul continually in the epistles we see it in his life we look at those pictures of him and silas you know at in prison at midnight in a jail thinking our lives are about to be over and what are they doing they're worshiping and they're praying a man of prayer And again, we see our call to pray. And I just want to read a few of these verses. I don't want to comment a whole lot. I'm going to try to exercise self-control not to do that because we want to get to the end of the epistle. But let God's word pierce and penetrate your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Like what's God's will for me? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That's a great starting point right there. In the midst of a text on spiritual warfare, and we're talking about spiritual warfare in these things. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then 1 Peter 4, 7, as we're talking about all these things shortly coming to pass, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Those are exhortations to us to be praying, to be praying as Jesus prayed, to be praying as Paul prayed. And if you need encouragement to be praying, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and he who knocks it will be opened. That's a good encouragement, is it not? Jesus said in John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So in other words, we are praying according to the heart and mind of the Lord as seen in Scripture. Look, at when you say a prayer, when you say, is this, you know, is this, is this prayer of the Lord? Look at one 
one way to, to analyze that is, look at how will the Father be glorified in this? And we gotta be honest and truthful, right? We gotta be honest and truthful in that. But he says, if we ask in his name again, he'll hear us. And you're like, well, I don't really know. Look at, Lord, let your will be done. That's a good way to cover. Because there's been times in, in times past where I was praying, oh, Lord, in your name, oh, Lord, bring this about. And then a year went by, and oh, thank you, Lord, you didn't bring that about. Lord, you were, you were protective me, God. I thank you for that. But I think the Lord, at least in his grace, well, at least he's praying. You know, at least he's saying a prayer. And then notice James 5, 16, you know I'd get it in there, the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man, what to do, it availeth much. And our righteousness is not in us. Our righteousness is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help us to pray fervent prayers. Look at these are fervent prayers that he's writing down here. And, and it, there's, there's a repetitiveness in it because it's almost the same prayer a few verses apart, but it's being penned with fervency. We need the grace of God. We need it abounding in us. Not just in a few of us, but we need it in all of us. Can we say amen to that? As Paul says, amen to it here twice as the Spirit moves him to pen amen. Again, it's not by chance. Paul didn't forget that he just wrote that. He prayed it again and it was penned again because of the vast importance of it. To again, model prayer and if you want to learn how to pray, boy, the best place to go is to the Bible. There's about 200 recorded prayers in the scripture. He's praying for grace from our Lord. Grace is unmerited favor. It's the grace of God that saves us. That's the only thing. We again are saved by grace through faith in him. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Let's always remember that. Look at that's encouragement on them difficult days. And it's also something to keep us from getting prideful on those glorious days. It's only by grace. And there's even any good works coming through me. It's only, again, because I'm saved by grace that now I'm walking in these gifts that God's called me to ahead of time. Look at grace, is that there to save us? Grace carries us through. Grace helps us. Grace is a divine influence upon our life that we absolutely desperately need at every single turn. And hear this, we all need grace and we all need to be found abounding in the grace of God. We need it in everything we do. No grace means no salvation. And really it means that everything else is in vain if grace is not covering it and over it. Look, at if you take God's grace off me, if you take it out of this message, you know what you get? A big nothing burger. We gotta have the grace of God. Ephesians 4, 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. I want great grace. I don't want a little grace. I want great grace. I want to be abounding in grace. I want to abound in the unmerited favor of God, the divine influence of the Lord. Let's get that before us. Let's ask for that. Let's not say, well, I'm saved. I got it from here, God. You don't got it, and neither do I. He's got it. And we need what he's got, and what he got is grace. 
You might say, well, okay, this sounds appealing. How do I get more of that grace? Well, look at 1 Peter 5, 5. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that me may exalt you in due time. Let's ask for more grace with a humble heart. Lord, we need your grace. Lord, we need your help. Lord, there's a good thing going on here, but it's only a good thing going on because of your grace. And the only way this good thing going on is going to continue is by greater grace. To you be the glory, to you be the honor, to you be the praise. If anyone gets saved, it's because of your grace. If anyone gets encouraged, it's because of your grace. If anyone gets corrected, it's because of your grace. If anyone gets healed, it's because of your grace. Name it, it's because of the grace of God Almighty where every good and perfect gift comes from. Let's keep it straight. Let's keep it real with that. Grace is a glorious thing and it's also a humbling thing. Let's not lose sight of it. Paul prays twice for the grace of God to be with him to abound how many times do the letters start with you know what grace and peace from paul from john whoever the only way you can have real peace is if you have real grace and we want to abound in it he says amen here can we say amen, amen. meaning a final authority meaning truth from god and again we'll see another prayer here in a moment where he prays for something that's more important than grace he prays that god would be glorified because as much as we love and rejoice in grace god's glory is of most importance and that grace can actually is the thing that enables us to bring him glory now he says in 21 through 23 timothy my fellow worker lucius jason and so 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 Sipater, my countrymen greet you tertitus who wrote the epistle greet you in the Lord Gaius my host and host of the whole church greets you Erastus the treasurer of the city greets you and Quartus a brother to greet it means to salute a fellow soldier it also means to embrace by taking into one's arms this is a picture of love this is a picture of encouraging one another the opposite of a flattering tongue this is the picture of serving one another Look at it's a picture of the body of Christ where others need us and we need others. It's a body of Christ to help us soldier on, to help us get established, to help us to wage the good war to the glory of God. As much as we focus on Paul and we learn so much about Paul, look at one thing we know about Paul. Paul always, you know, it voiced his need for others. He begged people to pray for him. He would say, hey, come meet me. Bring me the parchment, you know. Bring me my cloak. Come and help me out here. Help a brother out. You know, you see him here. You, you, you hear him saying it so often. And there were so many people that even moved behind the scenes in Paul's ministry, which really was the Lord's ministry. And again, we saw greetings earlier, and now we see a few closing ones. I just want to touch on them, and then we'll finish things out with this last prayer. Timothy, my fellow worker. Timothy, who two personal epistles were written to that we glean so much from. A close friend of Paul. You know what? A future leader who Paul invested so much in. These are needed. Paul needed men to carry out the work after he departed. He told Timothy, raise up men that they'll carry out the work as well. Oh, Lord, God, 
Raise up young men and women we can sow into to carry out the work. You're like, but the Lord's coming back next year. He may, it might be 50 years out. You're like, oh, Steve, don't say that. He's coming in his perfect timing. We live with expectation, but we also live in obedience. And that's why in part, again, we, we, don't, we say we don't have child care here. We have children's ministry. <laughs> we sow the word into these kids, and we want to be doing that. And look at the body of Christ right now is in desperate need, especially of young men and young women that have a burden to serve the Lord. There's a great lack of, of sound young pastors out there. It, it, it just, it, it, I hear it across the board. And Timothy was a fellow worker and he was also one that God had raised up for Paul to sow into look at even more than that and this struck me a while back as I was going through Philippians it never struck me like this before Timothy was also a fellow a fellow burden bearer for God's people notice what Paul says here we'll just you'll go Philippians 2 20 for I have no one like-minded who would sincerely care for your state for all seek their own not the things which are of Jesus Christ well, he talks about Timothy before this. I should have read that. But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and sent Timothy to you shortly. And then he says, I don't have anyone like-minded who sincerely care for your state. There was, a, there was more, than, you know, more than fellow workers. These guys shared a fellow burden. Oftentimes that's a rare thing. It's a glorious thing when God puts a burden on you of ministry. Look, it's a glorious thing. I've been in ministry for a long time and there's been a handful of times where I've had a brother that shared the same burden, that shared the same concern, where it wasn't about them. They weren't seeking their own in ministry. They said, look, I got a burden for the Lord. I got a burden for the people. I'm willing, you know, to go that extra mile and so forth. I'll say it this morning. I believe I have that in Pastor Ron. We share the same burden. How many times we talk and we're thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> You're like, maybe that's problematic, you know. Lord, help them. But I know this, one will put a 1,000 to flight, but how many will two put to flight? Is it not 2,000? And don't they need to be sharing the same burden and walking in unity for that to be the case? I pray for every one of you and the burden God's placed on you. If you don't got a burden, Lord, give them a burden right now. That the Lord would bring a partner for that burden. I feel blessed as well. My wife has that burden as well. I thank the Lord for that. It helps you soldier on. It helps you press forward. People you know, they share the same burden. It's not, well, I kind of got it, but really, you know what? I'm seeking my own and all this stuff. Timothy was out for Paul. We read about Tertitus who penned the epistle. This is the guy that Paul dictated this letter to. Gaius, who housed Paul while he was there in Corinth. He also hosted the whole church. Look at, he used his home and made it a house of worship. Help us to do the same, amen? And then others, he greets them as well. Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, his countrymen. These are Jews for Jesus here. Erastus, who's the treasurer of the city. How glorious is this? Christians are already popping up in all kinds of places there in the Roman Empire. We need that today. Don't abandon your post, man. 
Oh, there's not enough believers here. I need to get out of here. No, you need to probably be there. Now, maybe the Lord calls you out, but generally we abandon too many places. Stand your ground, man. Shine for the Lord Jesus. And then Cordus, a brother. How'd he get in there? I look at this and I think maybe it was, hey, you finishing that epistle up? Tertitus, you about done? Tell him I said hi as well. Oh, Cordus, a brother says hi. Look, at we got to take on this attitude, this kind of fellowship, especially again in these days, in this warfare and days of deception and days where, again, we need a soldier on. We read in Hebrews 10.24, consider one another. Philippians 4.21, greet every saint. And then Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And then notice there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I know practically a lot of folks are moving all around. And look at, be led by the Lord if you move around. But I know as well, and again, I'm just talking in general here in our nation. I know a lot of those people are going to different, it's not everyone. If you're led, be led. Just don't get there and go, oh, I fled. But they're looking for practical security. I gotta get out of California. Gotta get out of there. I gotta get over here, you know what? But look at, there's something to be said practically if you're looking for, again, somewhere of, of, of you know, the Bible talks about walls and so forth. Nothing compares to have spent, you know, years with brothers and sisters who you sow into. When times get tough, what do you want to have? Near brothers and sisters near to you or your fence and your bunker down here? Well, I'm the new guy from California and they all say they hate me on top of that. I'm trying to get those new plates on the car. Think about it. You factoring that into the equation? Oh, we didn't factor that. Boo, we hate California. We hate you. Get out of our state. I love California. I pray for our salvation. Born and raised in the Golden State. It's been a few years in Oregon. The happiest day of my life when I moved, well, one of the happiest was when I moved back to California. A little boy, oh, I saw the sun come out literally as we crossed the border. We have 52 inches of rain a year where I live. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go play ball outside. <clears throat> Let's finish this here. Do I finish it? Let's come, we'll come back to it next week. We got one more week. We got one more week in Romans. There's too much here. There's too much here, and I, I don't want to. Is that okay? We'll come back to it next That final prayer, that final instruction, we'll come back to it. I know the, the Sunday school teachers will love me for that. Well, let's stand up and close in prayer right now. <clears throat> Well, Lord God, we bless you. We give you glory and honor. We just thank you that you're so good to us, God. What great words of encouragement for us this morning, God, in the midst of some heavy calls, in the midst to be a call to be soldiers, to not bury our heads in the sand, to be courageous and brave and confronting, God, falsehoods. And Lord, again, those efforts to pray on the weak, 
to pray on the simple. Lord, we thank you, God, that shortly Satan is going to be crushed under our feet. God, we thank you for your great grace and mercy. It's brought us this far. It's going to bring us all the way home. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord God, again, we just thank you, God, for one another. I pray, God, we would have a deeper appreciation for one another. Lord, I want to pray, God, that as we've looked at so much here in Romans, Lord, that you'd help us to love one another, to be long-suffering with one another, God. Not just to cut bait when, Lord, the, the, the shine or the polish of a newer friendship or relationship goes by the wayside. Not just to cut bait when things get difficult and tough, but to soldier through those things, even knowing, God, that you use those things for good, Lord. There's something to be said for a people that say, hey, we're committed to the Lord and we're going to press on in the Lord together. Lord, help us to be mindful, God, of you in all things and then Lord, again, mindful of one another. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, Lord. Listen, if you don't know Jesus today, today's the day of salvation. We talked about it earlier. He is the God of peace. Outside of Christ, we are not at peace with the Lord. We're not. We're in our sin. We're at odds with God. We don't have entry into heaven. God's not bringing sin and rebellion into glory. But Jesus has made the way. The God of peace laid down his life, paid the penalty of my sin and your sin and the sins of the world. Look at the price has been paid. What you need to do is call upon the Lord and ask him to save you and receive that gift to be the Lord of your life. He'll meet you where you're at, even right now in this place. He desires to do that. Oh, call on him. Call on him. Say, Lord, here I am. Wash me. Save me. Forgive me. Come into my life. Lord, any in that place, meet them where they're at even right now. Lord, help us. Lord, we want to finish well right now, lifting our voices to you, God. So, Lord, help us in that. Let's worship the Lord. Let's give him praise this morning as we close here. Shall I 
sing it out. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Amen. Amen. Encourage it, encourage others, and just pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.